It is Wednesday here on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And what a show we have today. I'm going to have Justin Dale on the show. i got to start giving him an official title. He is my Braves correspondent. And he is going to break down why the Atlanta Braves are so good right now. But first, I just want to remind all my listeners that you are listening to us on Noonan's own 99.1 FM, WQEE. And we are brought to you by Wishbone Fried Chicken, The Mold Man, Active Pest Control, and once again, back as a sponsor, Ivy Park Sports and Grill. This show is a local sports talk show that covers sports in Columbus, Georgia, and pretty much the Chattahoochee Valley, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start the show. we got a jam-packed show as we're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks losing once again Game 2 of the first round of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, 119-106. to And the question that's on my mind and on a lot of Atlanta Hawks fans, if the Hawks get swept by the Celtics, do they blow it up? Do they start trading away key pieces like Trey Young and John Collins? Because clearly, Trey Young is not the answer. He is an electric player. I actually would build this team around DeJounte Murray. But the Atlanta Hawks have games three and four at State Farm Arena starting this Friday night. If, if they could win their home games, they're back in this series. You know, it's not officially done and over with if they're down 2-0. But I think that the Atlanta Hawks could at least get one of the games at State Farm Arena. We also had the Cleveland Cavaliers. They tied the New York Knicks. I'll get into that. And also just an epic showdown between KD and Kawhi. That happened late last night, Suns and Clippers. And I will get into that as well. As well as the Atlanta Braves and the San Diego Padres as the Braves just continue rolling. And the one thing about Justin Dale's interview, it was done yesterday so a lot of the updates we did not have a chance to get into including the updated hawk series and the braves but that's okay we do what we do because we continue moving on and we do have some high school baseball updates as i'm trying to find out when glenwood's first playoff game is as they wrap up their regular season an incredible regular season and lagrange Beach Troop County, and they are going to host the regional tournament as they win yet another region for the LaGrange Grangers. And we got a big baseball game tonight in Columbus. Uh, two powerhouses going at it tonight as Northside is taking on Columbus. And also tonight, game one of the Commissioner's Cup playoffs, round one. The Columbus River Dragons are up in Detroit, Michigan right now getting ready to take on the Motor City Rockers. Don't forget, just a reminder, that Game 2 of the first round of the Commissioner's Cup playoffs will be this Friday at the Columbus Civic Center. Let's pack that Columbus Civic Center, and hopefully we will not have to play a Game 3 on Saturday. That will be scheduled if necessary. So we got... Playoff action in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. We got NHL playoffs. 
We got the XFL and the USFL coming up. We got the NFL draft in two weeks. There's just a lot going on in sports. And we also have spring games. The Alabama spring game is going to be this Saturday. And Alabama is not the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. Interesting. Yeah, it's Georgia. Okay, so I'm going to start this show breaking down the Atlanta Hawks game against the Boston Celtics game two. A little bit closer than game one, but my observation from an Atlanta Hawks team that's just not as good as the Boston Celtics, the Celtics are just playing on another level. Jason Tatum is a superstar. He got any shot he wanted. First, Jalen Brown dominated the game in game one. Now Jason Tatum takes over. Why is that the case? Well, it's because the Hawks' defense focused on Jalen Brown, and then Jason Tatum went off. And then Derek White. Now, he is a player that you don't really pay attention to in the regular season because he doesn't put up great regular season numbers. But he is an Atlanta Hawks killer. Derek White had 26 points. You know, Jalen Brown had an off night. He had 18 points. You know, Al Horford disappeared. I mean, Marcus Smart, you know what he does on the defense. Malcolm Brogdon, 13 points off the bench. The Boston Celtics have so much depth. This is a championship team. It's the same team that went to the NBA Finals last year. Now, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks, because even though Trey Young had 24 points, he shot 9 of 22. He also had DeJounte Murray with 29 points. Now, he's been the lone bright spot for the Atlanta Hawks. DeJounte Murray is a player you want to build around. DeAndre Hunter started off fast out the gate. He had 18 points. But John Collins and Clint Capella were no-shows in this game. If the Hawks want to be competitive and they want to beat the Celtics, they got to get physical and they have got to match the intensity with the Boston Celtics, try to get offensive rebounds. Clint Capella blocking shots and Yucca Congru coming off the bench. I actually think that Yekka Kongru needs to be the starting center. And John Collins, for a max player, he only scored five points. I mean, what's up with that? I'm scratching my head on that one. And then you also have the Cleveland Cavaliers evening the series with the New York Knicks, 107-90. to And Darius Garland scored 32 points for the Cavaliers. It's their first playoff win since LeBron left. And the Cavaliers, you know, they have a lot of good pieces that they were able to get because when LeBron left, they were not very good. And so Karis LeVert, you remember, he played for Indiana. He played for Brooklyn. You know, he was one of those pieces in, in some trades. And he scored 24 points off the bench. Donovan Mitchell actually had an off night. He had 17 points. So why were the Cavaliers able to beat the Knicks and to match their size and intensity? Well, uh, Jalen Brunson shooting 5 of 17. He didn't really have a great evening. Julius Randle, you know, 22 points. He didn't really go off. You know, the Knicks bench only got 12 points from six-man finalist Emmanuel Quickly. And other than that, Obi Toppin didn't really have much of a big game. And then Quentin Grimes, you know, I, I guess he's just a defensive specialist because he only played 22 minutes and had four points. But the Knicks will bounce back, and they will play the Cavaliers in the Garden. I still think the Knicks can win this series. And then the Phoenix Suns 
bounce back by evening the series with the Los Angeles Clippers, 123-109. to Kevin Durant scored 25 points in 44 minutes, but it was Devin Booker with 38 points. Still not getting a whole lot of production from the bench, but at least the Phoenix Suns are able to get right back on track. And now they will face the Clippers in Game 3 and Game 4 at the Crypto Arena. Let's see if they can regain home court. All right. I think it's about that time here on the show to take my first break. And when we come back, I'm going to break down the NHL playoffs. Oh, yes. The NHL playoffs coming up. And then the Alabama spring game. What to expect in the Alabama spring game? Why isn't Alabama the odds-on favorite to win the national championship? I mean, you thought that Nick Saban would be out for blood this year. All right, we'll be back. Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill is the perfect atmosphere to host an event and watch live sports. It is also the official post-game after party for your Columbus Rapids. Located on 9501 Veterans Parkway in Midland, Georgia, Ivy Park is the perfect place to watch sports. You can call 706-221-8108 for reservations. And just come on down to Ivy. They got free Wi-Fi. You can watch live sports. It's just a perfect atmosphere. And I enjoy doing the show there as well. So Ivy's a good sponsor. Love them and love their support of the community. And it's just outside the city. So it's just a great atmosphere to watch sports and enjoy great food. Come to Ivy. Hang out. Have a great time. Have some good food. Ivy Park. That's where it's at in the Fountain City. Okay, sports fans. We are back here on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I'm just happy to be here. I've got a busy week. I've got the guests lined up. Normally on Mondays, I don't have a guest because it takes the entire hour to run down all the updates in sports for the weekend. I usually don't have a guest on Monday, but I usually have a guest on Monday that I talk to, but it becomes Tuesday's show. So on Tuesday, I had WRBL Sports Director Jack Patterson. On today's show, I've got Justin Dale. On tomorrow's show, once again, back on the sports beat is Sports Vision's Thrift Behringer. He is going to be on the show. And then Friday's show, I'm going to have a special guest making her third appearance. And I just love having the female voice on the sports beat. I've had Tanya Chavez. I've had Jenny Fisher. I'm going to have Kate Norm. And she is just a great talent of a broadcaster from Kennesaw State, lives up in the North Metro Atlanta area and went to Kennesaw State. So I'm excited to get her takes on how she felt about Kennesaw State making the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously, it was a big deal up in the North Metro Atlanta area. So yeah, Kate Norm's going to be on the show on Friday. So tomorrow, I'm going to be at the St. Luke's Ministry Center for the 8th Annual High School Female Athletes of the Year Awards Luncheon, presented by Sports Visions and presented by Affleck, starting at 11.30 a.m. And Sports Visions is going to salute over 50 of the area's top high school female student-athletes to include soccer, softball, golf, 
tennis, cheerleading, flag football, basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, and track and field. For more information or sponsorship opportunities, please contact DJ Jones at 706-681-1136. And I cannot wait for that event. And also, once again... Thrift Behringer has asked me to be on Sports Vision. So I'm going to be on Sports Visions on Thursday on Smooth R&B 92.1. That's going to be so much fun. And I am looking forward to it. All right, I think it's about that time to go ahead and get Justin Dale here on the show. He's no stranger to the show. Justin's been on multiple times. He is almost in that 20-episode plateau that Rob Frazier had once back in the day. I know that there are some guests that I haven't had on the show in a long time. And Rob Frazier is one of those guests. You know, we have busy lives. You know, he still loves sports, still passionate about sports, just does not have the time. And that I understand, but I would love to get him back on. And Brad Page. Brad Page, especially with the Memphis Grizzlies taking on the Lakers right now. I would love to get Brad Page on. And I reached out to Corey Bank. I talked to him and he has expressed interest in returning to the show. As a guest, you know, we had a four-month ride. It was just incredible calling football games together, doing this show every day, and he was a great co-host, and I enjoyed working with Corey. And he's up in Madison, Wisconsin, doing great broadcasting things, and uh, wish him nothing but the best of luck. And uh, hopefully I could get him on the show in the next couple of weeks. Because, you know, as many of you know, Corey, he's a big-time New York Jets fan. And when the Jets make it official and signed Aaron Rodgers, you know exactly where he's going to be. So the Atlanta Braves keep on winning. They are now 14-4. and They've won eight straight. They defeated the San Diego Padres 8-1. to Spencer Strider picked up the victory. And they knocked out the Padres' ace. What is going on in the NL West? The Padres are now 8-11. The Atlanta Braves take it two from the San Diego Padres so far. And they have a Wednesday afternoon game. It's an afternoon game today before they have a day off Thursday. And then they will come back home to Truist Park to take on the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. And you can watch that game on Apple TV. I can highly doubt that, but uh, that's a possibility there. And then they'll host the Marlins. And then next Friday, April 28th, it is the NLE showdown between the Braves and the Mets. And the Atlanta Braves are now three ahead of the New York Mets after the Mets lost to the Dodgers. The Braves have just been impressive so far. And I am looking forward to seeing the Braves compete and make another deep run into the postseason and possibly win another World Series. This team is capable of doing that. And they have the payroll, and they have the farm system, and they have the management to sustain success for years to come. NHL playoffs last night. The New York Rangers got on the road and beat the New Jersey Devils 5-1. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning putting up seven goals, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs 7-3. The Winnipeg Jets get the road victory in Vegas, defeating the Golden Knights 5-1. to 
And the Seattle Kraken get their first playoff victory in franchise history, taking down the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche 3-1. to Tonight, NHL playoffs continue. New York Islanders taking on Carolina. Florida taking on Boston. The Minnesota Wild taking on the Dallas Stars. And the LA Kings taking on the Edmonton Oilers. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to have Justin Dale here on the Sports Beat. We're going to be back in a few. You don't want to go anywhere. Justin's coming on the show. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Newton. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Cowita Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Justin Dale is back on the show once again, and he is here on the show to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves and this incredible winning streak. Once again, they're at seven games. Max Freed returns to the lineup. They pick up the 2-0 victory over the Padres. Justin, what has happened since the last series? The last time you were on, the Braves lost three out of four from the Padres. Is are they playing really bad teams or what's going on with the Braves? Well, I think it's a um it's definitely a combination. I mean, the, the teams they have been playing are not not very good teams. Um, I will say that, but I don't think you can use that as an excuse for this run. Um, I mean, you, you gotta take into the fact that I mean the Braves are a good team, and this is what good teams are supposed to do to teams that aren't as good as they are. You know, they're supposed to win these games and and so it's good to see the Braves taking care of business here. Um, I, you know, injuries, I think, uh, played a part a little bit, in, especially in that San Diego series um, when they lost three or four at home. They had to throw two rookie pitchers, making their both of them making their second big league start ever against a very potent uh, San Diego Padres lineup. Uh, Dylan Dodge just was not good in that second start. He got lit up by the by the Padres. Um, and, uh, Jared Schuster was, was okay. I mean, he still struggled with his control, walked too many batters. Um, I think both of those kids are going to be 
going to be good starters in time. I think they both need more time in, in the minors to, to kind of, you know, fine tune their craft, but you know, the Braves got some unexpected uh, results from some players. Uh, you know, um, you know, Michael Harris went down, but Sam Hilliard has been playing pretty good. Um, he's not lighting the world on fire by any means, but he's very serviceable out there in center field and his bats played pretty well. He's gotten some hits. He's had a couple home runs in that time period as well. Um, Eddie Rosario starting to show some signs of life um, in the lineup. Uh, Sean Murphy, too, who got off to such a bad start beginning the season. He's been playing every day because Travis Darno's gone down and he's uh, his bats um, heated up and he's hitting very well. He's kind of slotted into that that number four spot behind uh, Matt Olson and Austin Riley. And so, uh, you know, between, you know, some of these players picking up the slack that others, you know, going down have been, it's been good. And also the Braves starting to get healthier a little bit on the pitching staff, Kyle Wright coming back. Uh, neither one of his starts were great, but it's just good to have him back on the mound. And uh, the results will come as he continues to get more starts and get stronger. And Max Reed, I mean, what can you say about Max last night? You know, missing over two, you know, over two weeks on the IL and comes back and doesn't look like he missed a beat. You know, going up against a very good San Diego lineup again. You know, on the road, hostile environment. So yeah, the Braves. I mean, while the the record of these teams are playing may not be all that good. Um, the fact that the Braves are taking care of business against these teams, that's exactly what you want to see um, from from a team like Atlanta. They should be beating the teams they're playing right now. Like I mentioned, the Braves have a seven-game win streak. The Mets have a five-game win streak. Is it going to be back and forth between these two teams all the way to the finish line? And Justin, that can't be a bad thing because if they have both really good records, the Braves are at least going to get the wild card if they don't win the division. Yeah, it'll be a um... – It'll be a fight for the division, you know, uh, with the Mets. The Mets are playing good. Uh, we've seen we've seen this script before from the Mets where they play really good in April and May, and then as the summer months wane on, they kind of, I hate to say falter. They really didn't falter last year. The Braves just played really well. Um, but they, you know, they kind of, sl- you know, they, they do slide off. They have a historical tendency to slide off in the second half of the year. Um, so I do think this will be a fight. Uh, you know, I'm not counting a team like Philadelphia out. I know they're they're off to a bad start, but I, I do think that a team like that will turn it around. Um, you know, to me, the surprising team in the East has been the Marlins. Marlins playing pretty good right now. Um, I know they're sitting around 500, but they've got some talent on that team, and I think they're they're definitely a team that you can't just overlook. Or when they come up on your schedule, you're like, oh, that's you know that's an easy series win. Um, if you take them lightly, they'll beat you. And so I think they've got one of the, you know, the I think the Braves have the best leadoff hitter in baseball and Ronald Acuna Jr., but the Marlins have a pretty good leadoff hitter themselves. So um, I think this division is going to be a dogfight um, throughout the year just because the Braves are playing really well right now. They got the lead. They're only two games up on the Mets. I don't foresee anybody running away with this division if, unless, some, unless a couple of the other teams have some significant injuries that um, caused them to falter. All right, Justin, the next home series is this weekend. It's a rematch of the 2021 World Series. Are you going to go to any of these games against the Astros? Yeah, I'll be there Friday. Uh, Me and the girlfriend and her kids will be there on Friday for that game. Um, We'll also be there for a couple of the games when the Marlins come to town after that. Uh, But, yeah, I'm excited to to, uh, see the Braves play the Astros again. Um, it's funny, last time we saw the Astros was back in August last year, and we were the defending world champions, and now we're getting to see them again, and this time they're the defending world champions. So um, they're off to a little bit of a mediocre start for them, uh, third place in the AL West, sitting around 500. And so, um, I, you know, there's 
you know, whether you really believe in the World Series hangover or not, it seems to be something that kind of grabs teams at the beginning of a year. So I, you know, I have a feeling that Houston will right the ship, you know, and get themselves back into um, position to try to, to compete for that for that division in the um, American League West. But uh, off to a little bit of a sluggish start for them, but obviously a team you can't take lightly. They're very good, a lot of talent on that team. Um, but it's you know if they're you know it'd be, it's a good time for the Braves to see them for sure if you know them with they with them struggling just a little bit. Justin, going around the diamond, some of the surprises in Major League Baseball. I mean, Tampa Bay made history. They had the greatest start in MLB history at thirteen and zero, but they kind of cooled off a little bit. They've lost three out of four. They mm-hmm. are, still have a fourteen and three record. I mean, the Braves have the second best record in baseball. I mean, that's very impressive, but. You know, the, the team that's really has shocked me is the Pittsburgh Pirates, 10-7. and seven. I actually did not see that coming. I didn't either, especially with um, O'Neill, um, O'Neill Cruz going down. Um, I really thought um, – I, I thought Pittsburgh would have would have flashes where they would play well. I mean, there's, there, there's, a, there's talent on that team. It's just young and inexperienced. And, and so I thought there might be some flashes on that team. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're playing really well right now. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, obviously, small sample size. We're still not even a full month yet into the season, so anything can happen. That NL Central though was really kind of shaping up to be a little bit more competitive overall than I even gave it credit for. I remember when we, we talked about our preseason predictions. I really thought St. Louis was just going to run away with that division because I didn't really see anybody else really stepping up maybe Chicago but that was about it but Chicago is playing about where I thought they'd be playing right now but yeah Pittsburgh's playing well uh the Brewers are playing a lot better than I would have given them credit for there in first place in that division right now and uh the Cardinals are down tied with the Reds (laughs) for the for the last for fourth place down there at the bottom of the division right now and so I'm I'm really shocked you know with with the Cardinals especially with that lineup that they're down there. I knew their pitching might've been there, been some question marks around their pitching, but I really thought that lineup would be hitting better and keeping them in contention. And so it's that, that NL central and altogether might be a lot more interesting than what maybe a lot of people gave credit for. Also, Justin, you probably agree with me. The most disappointing division has been the NL West. Although the diamondbacks are the shocking team because they're in first place, but the Dodgers have a losing record, the Padres, the giants and the Rockies. I know that you picked the giants to make the playoffs, I picked the Rockies to make the playoffs. Uh, I know it's still early in the baseball season, but uh, this has kind of been a down year for the NL West. Uh, so far, yeah. Uh, the Padres are just a surprising one. They're they're dealing with injuries just like the Braves have been. There's just some of theirs a little bit more of a, of a significant nature. You know, uh, some of it they're just waiting on Tatis to get back, um, which they're going to get him back right when we leave, which is great. Um, but, uh, they're, you know, without some pitching, especially in their bullpen, they've got some injuries there. And so that's, that's, I think part of that's affecting their play a little bit. Their lineup though has been inconsistent at times. Um, they, you know, can explode on you because they got so much power, but they're, they've had games so far where they've gone quiet. Um, and part of that could just be, you know, April's weird, a weird month for baseball can be because players are still kind of getting themselves going. The weather still can be cold certain places you go. And that can affect the ball, it can affect pitchers, it can affect batters. And so, yeah, April's one of those kind of funny months that just kind of depend, you know, weather can play a big part, in, part into it. So I think once we get into May and June, weather warms up, we'll start seeing a little bit more of what we expect from certain teams. But, yeah, I think the NL Central's down a little bit. 
Um, I talked about we talked about the Dodgers, and I said the Dodgers. This, this Dodgers lineup is not as potent as it's been in years past. Um, they they didn't go out and spend a lot of money this offseason. Um, they um, they were hoping to get you know something out of Gavin Lux, and he got hurt, and he's going to miss the entire season. And so, I, I think they're dealing with something. Their pitching staff has not been pitching very well at all. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's been the, the Dodgers have been down. Padres have been inconsistent. Um, I think there's a reason why Arizona is where they are. And they've been playing. They played pretty good so far, at least to begin the season. But, yeah, like you said, it's early. Um, three weeks in doesn't mean, you know, there doesn't set a trend yet. We, we're still very early in the season. Anything can happen. Um, and I think some of these these teams like San Diego and L.A. and even the Giants, I think they'll as as time goes on, they'll get themselves into more of a rhythm, um, and we'll start to see those teams come up to the top. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Arizona definitely creates an intriguing uh, wrinkle into the um, um, National League West, especially if they can stay competitive going into the summer months. Justin, I do want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this story that I followed on WSB TV up in your neck of the woods in Atlanta and they are looking to build a $2 billion facility up in Forsyth County, that's Alpharetta, mm -hmm. that would right. rival the battery because they are hoping to get an NHL team to Atlanta. Come on, Justin. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Well, uh, that's just tough cookie right there. You really think the, the NHL could survive in Atlanta three times? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, there's – I think there's – I heard a rumor about a month ago that there was an ownership group um, that was looking into trying to bring in the NH, an NHL franchise back to Atlanta, um, but they wouldn't put them in downtown like, they, like they've done the last two times, that they would build a facility somewhere in the um, – more in the suburbs, more in the – you know, preferably maybe the Alpharetta areas where I heard um, – because and they look at they look at the Braves as the model and the Braves, while they have been a successful franchise now for the last um, almost 30 years since um, since Sherholtz Cox and Ted Turner took over the, you know, the organization back in the late 80s and kind of built that farm foundation that exploded into the 90s and started the run that they had. Um, baseball has been successful there, but when. You know, Atlanta Fulton County was a big stadium, and it was also surrounded by parking lots. There wasn't really much to do around the stadium unless you were there for your game. Same thing with Turner Field. There really wasn't much to do in that area other than uh, I think there was like a used to be a barbecue place that was right outside that I used to enjoy eating at actually when I went down to Turner Field. But um, that was about it. There really wasn't much other entertainment around the ballpark. So you basically just came for a game and you left. Um, and the Braves did a lot of research into moving to Cobb County. It wasn't just a, um, you know, they one like they woke up one morning and said, "Hey, we're, we're leaving. We're going to the suburbs um, up in Cobb County." They did their research and they said, "Hey, our ticket, our season ticket holders are north of the city. Let's move ourselves where our season ticket holders are." And I think there's a reason why, if you look at the Braves' payroll this year, it sits at number seven in Major League Baseball, and it's because over the last seven, eight, you know, seven years now, or six years since uh, Truist Park has opened, the Braves have brought in a lot of revenue, um, not just from the games, but from the, the, the complex itself, um, because the Braves have ownership over the entire complex. And so they they bring in a lot of revenue from that. And, and we're starting to see that get reinvested back into the team, which means the payroll is going up. Um, and so 
and and, and you look at the games. I mean, the Braves had over three million um, visitors last year coming through the ballpark, and they're already projected to break that this season. Um, and so the money's coming in, the Braves payroll is up, and a lot of people are pointing to the fact that not only the battery being kind of the um, the standard for like how a ballpark with a mixed use complex should work, but also like where to put it, you know, in a city, you know, put it where your put it where your fans are and stuff like that. And so I think when they look at the demographics of hockey, who's interested in hockey, and they're looking at the city of Atlanta, and I think that's where you start to look at the city of Alpharetta being a better area for hockey to maybe thrive in um, other than putting it in downtown Atlanta. And so, you know, I, I think the idea is great. I think that the venue would be great, even if they don't end up attracting a hockey uh, team to Atlanta. Um, I think the venue can be used for concerts and for other events and things that, you know, that could also go on downtown as well. Um, I think it'd be great for the area of um, South Forsyth, which has got, you know, Alpharetta as well as coming in it. Um, and I think it would really kind of grow that area as well. That that area is already a very um, fast growing area anyway um, in the in the city. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. And I think it's a great pitch to tools like, hey, you know, we'll, we're going to have this venue already built, you know, or in, in the next few years. So if a hockey team wants to come, if we want to get an expansion franchise or try to lure one away from another some, from a struggling city, it would be the, the perfect opportunity to try that. But I, I do think that it seems to be some favor, at least in, in giving Atlanta another chance, which I never thought would be a possibility. But I think, you know, that they're trying to do their research properly and suggest like, hey, we're going to model this after what the Braves have done with with Central or with Truist Park and their in the battery and try to create something like that in the suburbs. But in Alpharetta instead, so that um, we can be where there are already hockey fans. Um, and, and the thing about it was with the Thrashers, it wasn't that hockey wasn't popular here. It was just the the, the team was really just mismanaged and misowned um, by the ownership. There was a very faithful, hardcore group of fans that um, were very dedicated to the Thrashers when they were here, and I and I definitely think they would be very open and receptive to getting a third shot. But it would, you know, it's going to take a lot of convincing and, and stuff. But I, I I am excited about this new venue if it gets built. Um, but I definitely think that it's it's a it taking the same approach that the Braves did about going where your where your uh, where your fans are where the, the demographics could support it. And I think that's a great idea. And I would love to see the Atlanta Thrashers name return to Atlanta. There's a reason why when the Thrashers left in 2011 that they are now called the Winnipeg Jets. That way, if an if if an NHL franchise ever came to Atlanta they could retain the Atlanta Thrasher's name. Correct. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Suite A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around, so great. Wishbone Fried Chicken 31, Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678 678- 
Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. All right, well, let's switch gears, Justin. Yeah, we're just going all over the place on this <laughs> on this Tuesday slash Wednesday as this show will be aired on Wednesday. We have the G-Day game on Saturday. We have a trio of Georgia quarterbacks battling for the starting job. You got Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton, and Carson Beck. And according to reports, Carson Beck, who he's not a first-year player, he's been in the, the camp for a couple of years now. He's ready to go. And Georgia's got an easy schedule. No team in college football is ever three-peated. But can the Georgia Bulldogs do it? Can they be, can they be the first? I think uh, I definitely think the schedule is favorable for them to, to be in a position to do that for sure. Um, it, it does, you know, I, I do hate that the, that they lost the Oklahoma game that was originally scheduled for this year um, because Oklahoma will be joining the conference next season and uh, the or season after next, I should say, in 2024. And that home and home series was the second game wouldn't be played until the 2030s well after Oklahoma joined the conference. So it got, it got canceled, but um, yeah, unfortunately because of that, the, the schedule lost kind of some luster to it. And it is hard to replace you, you know, these the power five conference game, when you play at, when you play another power five school outside your conference, those things are decided and, and, and schedules are made five, six years in advance, sometimes even 10 years in advance. Um, those things are not done overnight. And so if you lose a game like that because of conference realignment or another team backs out or something like that, it's really hard to replace it with another equally impressive opponent. So Georgia had to replace it with what they had available, and that was Ball State. And so the schedule is is what it is at this point. Yeah, Yes, Georgia will probably be favored in just about every game. Um, I think the probably the hardest game on that schedule is going to play Tennessee at Nyland. Um, in no, in either October or November of next year. And so uh, that'll be the one game, probably the one game that, that if Georgia can get past that with a win, they'll probably go 12-0, and 0, make the SEC championship game. Um, and then that's when the, the real season will begin because they'll have to win that as well as, um, you know, go through the playoff um, to get back to the national championship game and try to pull off the three-peat. Um, but I, I do – as far as the quarterback battle goes, I did. I read that Carson Beck had the, probably the better day, looked well, very comfortable in the offense, ran it very well, and he's been in the system for a year longer than what uh, Vandergriff has been in. Um, Carson came in in, 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 the, in 2020, 
Uh, he didn't get a spring practice because of COVID. And so his development was, uh, I hate to say stunted, but it was just kind of slower, I guess, because of COVID that year. And, um, you know, and, and Stetson Bennett took the reins and just, you know, had a lot, had had eligibility in state. So Carson's waited his turn and he's looks like he's going to get his chance to start. Um, Brock Vandergriff's future um, at Georgia, uh, I, I hate to say uncertain because I don't know what he's going to do. Um, he could stick it out, stick around, you know, go through summer, go through fall and see if he can um, uproot uh, Carson Beck as a starter. I, I do think that Brock has bigger upside than what um, Beck brings you. But um, I think if you're going to go with consistency and somebody that knows the system and can manage the game very well, I think Beck's probably going to be your guy. Um, which I don't know what that means for Brock Vandergriff in his future at Georgia or if he'll end up hitting the transfer portal um, looking for opportunity to start somewhere else this season. But, um, but yeah, I, I even saw that um, Gunnar Stockton had a good had a good outing as well in that game, uh, played very well. He will probably end up being the third string, if not a backup quarterback, depending on what Vandergriff decides to do. But I definitely think Georgia's, Georgia's future quarterback is very bright. Um, I think this team still has a lot of depth to it. I, I know there was a few players that hit the transfer portal since uh, since Saturday when it reopened. Uh, one of them, one of the biggest surprises for me was uh, Bear uh, Bear Alexander, who had who played pretty well at the end of the national championship game, getting a chance to start or play um, in in a blowout situation at the end of that game. Um, so for him to hit the uh, transfer portal was a little eye opening because I don't think it's playing time as to why he's he's leaving. Um, but, uh, I do think Georgia still got a lot of depth on that team and they, they continue to be bringing in, you know, top, top three recruiting classes. And so I don't think a depth of talent will be any problem. It'll just be experience and playing and playing time. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a new, it's a new, um, era for Georgia, you know, it was Stetson Bennett gone. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely the question is, can, can Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff, can they continue the run? Can they lead Georgia back to another national championship and pull off a, a, the first three-peat in 90 years or whatever? So um, so we'll see. Still still got a lot, to, a lot of practice to go. Got to get through summer and fall before we really start talking about college football. But um, it was good to see Georgia play in the, in the spring game and, and also get to see uh, – Changing of the guard with the the Uggas as well. Q retired, and uh, Boom is now the new Ugga eleven. Um, and so it was good to see the passing of the collar ceremony at the game as well. Also, Justin, the changing of the guard as new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo taking over for Todd Monken, who's left to become the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Mike Bobo's been there before. Uh, do you see any? difference or any any drop off in the offense now that Mike Bobo's the offensive coordinator to be seen I, I don't think there will be I, I I was a little bit when the when the when the announcement was made I wasn't impressed at first just because I know what you know we've all seen Mike Bobo there's no surprises we know what we're getting with him but at the same time you know Bobo was an analyst in this offense for last year with with um the previous offensive coordinator and so um, he had a chance to really learn the offense and the terminology and things like that. And from, from what I've read, uh, you know, in some of the articles and stuff is that Bobo's trying to keep most of the, the terminology the same and trying to keep the offense, keep the offense running, you know, some, you know, continuity with the offense. So that way, especially with a new quarterback like Carson Beck, who's been in the system for three years, 
learning the previous scheme, doesn't have to make a bunch of changes, you know, right before he gets a chance to start at Georgia. And so, um, you know, I, I think it'll be determined to see, but so far the quarterbacks have raved about Mike Bobo. Um, Vandergriff and, and Carson have both raved about him in practice and, and everything. Um, I've heard that there was some, you know, some of the plays and stuff that were designed in the national championship game were designed by Bobo um, as well. So, um, I definitely think Bobo had his some fingerprints on the offense even last year when he was just an analyst, and I, so I think he'll take the reins and run with them here at Georgia. But we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. I, I wish him well. I want him to do well because I want to. I want Georgia to do something that hasn't been done in ninety years. I want him to three P. But um, so I do. I do hope he does well. But um, but yeah, you know, it's it's good to have somebody like Bobo back. Who, you know, he's an alumni of the university. He loves the university. Um, so you got you got guys. It's kind of cool now. You've got a, uh, you know, Kirby was a alum, a Georgia alum. Bobo, the offensive coordinator, of Georgia alum. Uh, Muschamp, who's a co-defensive coordinator, is a Georgia alum. So you got all these. You got these Georgia guys that love the university, and they're in. You know, they're head coach and core offensive and defensive coordinators for this team. And so I definitely think that they're, you know, that passion for the university is in is in their coaching. So I definitely think they'll get the best out of these players. Justin, the Atlanta Falcons had a busy offseason. They have improved their defense with the acquisitions of Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree, Jeff Okuda, Jesse Bates. I mean, they've got a bunch of who's who on defense with this upcoming draft coming up on April 27th. This latest mock draft has got them selecting Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. I don't know if they go defense here, Justin. What do you think about them getting a quarterback or even an offensive lineman? I think they've had an incredible offseason. They could probably get somebody on in the interior to to help keep Desmond Ritter upright. I, I think for the Falcons, yes, they've had a great offseason. Um, the players are bringing in, um, the veterans are bringing in is fantastic. I, I definitely think that you know, finally getting past some of these salary cap restrictions they had, trying to you know clear out some of that money. That was uh, still, you know, going to Julio and Matt Ryan has, has definitely helped them to be able to finally fill out this team the way they want to. Um, I definitely think this is a team that can, is going to compete for a playoff spot. Don't be surprised if they're playing in January because um, I think they will be. Um, I, I think there's a lot of direct, you know, with the fact that they filled out and they've spent some money this offseason, I, I really think the Falcons will probably go with the approach of, of best available at that pick. Um, which that means if Jalen Carter's sitting there, they'll take him. If an offensive tackle's sitting there and they think that's best available, they'll take him. I think they'll, you know, in the years past, I remember under Dimitrov, Falcons did a lot to try. They were drafting in the first round for need rather than best available. And sometimes that worked out. Sometimes it didn't for them. And I, I think going maybe going, a lot of teams go to route of like, hey, if the best available position is a defensive tackle and we, we don't really need defensive tackle, but that's the best available, we'll take them. Um, and so I, I think a lot of times teams will do that, and, I, and I'm wondering if the Falcons will, will probably do that. They'll see what's what's on the board. They've got some ideas, obviously, some players they'd like to have in that. Um, Jalen Carter could definitely be in that um, in that mix, and if he's sitting there at number eight, they might just take him um, and bring him in and him and Grady Jarrett together on that defensive line and with, with uh, Campbell and, and the others they've signed would be absolutely scary um, of a defensive line for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that the, uh, the Falcons have positioned themselves 
to where they can take what, you know, best available for them. And you know what, if that's a quarterback and so be it, they might just take the quarterback too. If one of them slips to number eight, I don't, I doubt one will given the fact that there are some quarterback needy teams above them. Um, but they're, you know, if one of them were to slip then the Falcons probably scoop them up too. Um, but I do think the Falcons are throwing their support around, at least this season behind Desmond Ritter to be the starter. I don't think, um, they're purposely trying to look for a quarterback in this draft. They want to give him a shot. I, th- I think they felt like he did enough in those four games at the end of the season to warrant a shot to see how he can run this offense. And we'll just, you know, I, I think this team can go as high or as low as Desmond Ritter will take them. Okay, Justin. So we've we've actually talked a lot of sports today. But now I, I want to keep it real because tonight the Atlanta Hawks take on the Boston Celtics. You know, I've been high on the Atlanta Hawks, especially after beating the Miami Heat in the play-in game. But, you know, all the talks before the play-in game was Trey Young needed to be traded. And Boston just found the game plan to slow down Trey Young. But do the Atlanta Hawks have a chance to at least steal a game or two in State Farm Arena? Because I think this series is over. I think Boston is going to win the series. But uh, what do you think about the Hawks' chances just to keep it competitive? against Boston. I think they can. I think they can win a game or two in the series. Um I don't I don't see them. It's hard to, you know, it's really hard to pick a, a 7 seed upset of 2 in the NBA playoffs, especially in the first round. Not that it can't be done. It's just really hard to do it. Um I think the Falcons are talented enough to play with Boston um and hang with them. Yeah, they just didn't play well at all in game 1 and I hope that they can make some adjustments. Um and go out there to play better and at least, you know, kind of be competitive in the series. Uh, I think if they were to push this thing to two, six, maybe even seven games would be a, would be a big win for the Hawks in that matter. At least show that they can, they can be competitive and challenged in the top teams in the league. Um, I think if they end up getting swept right out of the building with, with by, by the Celtics, um, which, which if they play like they did in game one, they'll get swept. But um, I think if they uh, if they find themselves getting swept, it's going to leave a lot of question marks in Atlanta as far as what direction to go with this team. You know, especially because they went all in and traded for um, for Murray and brought to bring him in uh, and gave up a lot of number one picks to go bring him in to try to, to pair with Trey Young with the hope that this team could, you know, go further in the playoffs, get back to you know being competitive, maybe even make another run towards the Eastern Conference Finals. And this this team doesn't look much different than it did a year ago, to be honest with you. Um, they're they're a higher seed. They're not an eight seed. They're a seven seed. But all those picks and that trade moving you up one seed is not very. You know, obviously that's not a very good uh, rate of return on your investment. So, but I think it will if the Hawks get swept out and another first round exit. It's going to leave some question marks as to what direction this team should go. And I think you're going to hear a lot more trade rumors in the offseason about with Trey Young, uh, what what to do with Trey. Do you keep him? Do you trade him away? Do you try to get him more help? Do you give him another season with full season with Snyder to see maybe if that helps, um, especially since Murray's got one more year on his contract? Do you try to try to get it done this, you know, maybe next year with some with some more help with the hope that you can make a better run? I don't know. Um, I don't know, but I do think the, uh, the Hawks, um, this team is at some crossroads right now, and if the uh, – if they don't put up a good showing in this playoff series, whether they win it or not, is real irrelevant. Not too many people are going to expect a seven seed to be a two seed, like I said. So, just you know, be competitive. If they can be competitive, that's a good sign. But I think if they get themselves beat pretty bad 
in four or five games in this this series is probably not um they're probably going to hear a lot more of those trade rumor um things going on in the offseason and finally atlanta united in third place in the eastern conference their last two road contests they were ties so they're able to get two points Mm-hmm. This team is really shocking. Without Joseph Martinez, I had no expectations for Atlanta United, but some of the bright spots, Thiago Almada, the World Cup winner from Argentina, and Georgios Gakamukas from Greece. He's really been a bright spot, and Atlanta United really looks like they're back. It looks like they're back from their glory days, Justin, when they won the MLS Cup in 2018, went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019, you know, that, that team that we're used to, I know that Brad Guzan's going to be out for a while as the goalkeeper, but I like what Land United is doing so far. Yeah, they're, they're definitely um, exceeding expectations so far, playing well. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to turn the page. You know, uh, you know, Joseph Martinez was a legend here in Atlanta with Atlanta United. People loved him. You know, he helped us win an MLS Cup and um, and everything, but, it, you know, maybe it was just getting time to move on um, and, and start fresh, you know, and that's that's been, you know, so far so good for the for Atlanta United. And I hope they do get back to those those glory days like they were because they did. They came out of the gate and, you know, they were an expansion team. But, man, they came out of the gate playing so well, uh, taking the league by storm and uh, and everything. But, you know, last few years have been down years. They've had injuries and they've had some inconsistent play that's cost them um, uh, playing well. And, you know, and when they have made the playoffs, it's been early exits and things. Um, since then. So, yeah, playing pretty good so far. They look a lot more competitive, look a little bit more in sync than they have in years past. So, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for Atlanta United. They continue to play well and they can build off of what they're doing the season and, and get back to being one of those top teams in the league. Justin, we just about covered everything and I think we almost went the full hour. Always great having you on the show. Thank you for your insight. And looking forward to having you back on in uh, a week or so. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Justin Dale, he is uh, starting to become a weekly guest. Sometimes I I try to get him on at least once every two weeks. He is my Braves insider. Justin, we're going to have to get you an official title on the sports beat. My official Braves reporter, or the, the, the Braves insider for the sports beat or something. I don't know how much inside information I can get, but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that... <laughs> well, you, you go to games, right? <laughs> I, go, I go to games, but I'm just at games. That's <laughs> mainly spectacular. I know. All right. Well, <laughs> I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat. I want to thank all my listeners out there who have downloaded the podcast, subscribed to my Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. And I hope everybody has a great, rest of your day bye everybody you are listening to the sports beat with richard holdridge broadcasted on wqee 99.1 fm the key from 2 to 3 p.m monday through friday this is a local podcast that covers columbus sports and beyond if you would like to hear more of this podcast you can download us on apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or spotify wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.